Let's do that hockey. Welcome, everyone, to Diver Prospects Report. This is report number 32. I'm Victor Nuno, one of the co-hosts here, and with me is Peter Harling. How are you doing, Pete? Hey, Victor. I'm good, man. I'm good. How, how are you? I'm good, man. It's busy times, as we've been talking about pre-show, but it's, it's, it's good to be able to squeeze some watching hockey in there. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I'm getting out to some games. So, you know, that's always good. How are you doing in the in the listener league? Are you, are you winning some weeks? Is, is your your categories favoring your your win loss ratios? Yeah, our, our team is is good. I would say we're pretty competitive. We're currently fourth. Uh, I think a couple of bounces. We had a couple of unlucky weeks. We could have we're right up there, I think, with a couple of the top teams in the league. And there are some teams that are leaning into the hard rebuild. <laughs> I think one or two already we, we played already. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's some clear separation with a few of the teams that are going to be really competitive and we're one of them. How about you? I'm a little disappointed. I'm right in the middle. I kind of thought I'd be a little bit higher like my team, obviously, or I wouldn't have picked the players that I picked. But uh, yeah, I got a 22, 20 and two record. So that's pretty vanilla. I'm going to finish just outside of playoff position and, and outside of the lottery with with this kind of record so we'll <laughs> we'll see how it goes maybe i'll I'll do a mid-season tank and rebuild that's always you're, fun you're gonna get the worst of both both worlds right <laughs> yeah t- typical me oh man all right well in this report what we're going to talk about today I, I hope people like this format because i think it i think it's going to be fun and so what we're doing is pete was able to recently take in cleveland monsters at belleville senators game So looking, being able to live scout some prospects at the AHL level, and we'll kind of blend that with some, you know, underlying analytical numbers as we like to do. So that's the format of today, and we'll see how that goes. Before we get started, I want to remind you the Double Prospects Report is a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Very excited to be part of the Army of Fantastic Hockey Podcasts. Please check out at HockeyPodNet for all the shows like this one, talking hockey from fantasy to team coverage. You name it. You can also use the DraftKings promo code THPN to listen into this show. More on that in a bit. The DPR show is also proudly sponsored by Fantrax. Fantrax is the ultimate league manager for any dynasty sport you play, completely customizable for however you want to set up your league. Scoring from categories, an amazing draft room to host the draft, draft pick trading, tracking, and a treasury option. So, so much more. Use the promo code to sign up for a free league, fantrax.com forward slash DPR show. All right, Pete, tell us a little bit about some of the guys you saw and a little bit about this experience for you. Yeah, so, you know, I, I get to Belleville Games a couple times a year. It's about an hour's drive down 401 for me, so it's not so bad. So this is my second viewing for Belleville this season. I saw Marley's game in late October there. But as you said, the the game that I saw most recently, and we're going to kind of focus on that one, was the Cleveland Monsters. For you, those of you at home who are uninitiated, that is the Columbus Blue Jackets farm team. And they have some, some pretty relevant prospects, and I was fortunate enough to time that well with the Kent Johnson game. A lot of fantasy GMs, I think, would kind of be thinking that Kent Johnson would be in the NHL full-time this season, myself included, and his 48% fan tracks roster ship i think is a little low quite frankly um, but for a guy not in the nhl i guess it's pretty good he is he is the best prospect in this game for sure and in preparation for this episode i, I did a little a little 
Twitter searching on him. And Elaine Shercliffe had a couple of a couple of tweets about him that I thought were interesting. She had some interviews with the coach and she, she quoted him. And they were saying that the organization's plan for Johnson is to have him focus on getting stronger and better adapted to the rigors of pro hockey. And it's a matter of physicality. We got a plan for him to get stronger and more strength in the one-on-one battles. And that was the Jackets coach, Pascal Vets Vincent. Um, it's going to take time, but he's a guy that takes it very seriously. So we have big plans for KJ. I think he's going to be a hell of a player. So I got that from the Fantrax player update or newsflash on Kent Johnson. So I just copy and paste that from Fantrax right into our show notes. And I think that there's a lot of truth ringing in that because what i saw from him was that he was like i said the best player on the ice for either team he looked like an nhl player but you know this is the american hockey league and there was a couple of times where he looked like he could be stronger i don't really feel like he had a problem keeping up with the, the pace of the play so i really think it's just a matter of of him just getting a little bit more physicality and, and strength in his game and all of the other aspects of his game that I saw were, were really great. Another quote from him was for me producing a lot. I think it's the kind of my role here and something that they drafted me to do is what Elaine Shikliff's quote said from him. He's going to help them fill the net and win a lot of games and do his part defensively as he's, he's got to produce. So that's something that fantasy owners really like to hear that the guy is understands his role and his role is to help you in your fantasy league is how i translate that <laughs> so i think he's going to do that too uh, he really looked pretty pretty strong on the puck and the he really set the pace of the play too when he was on the ice and he was their their first line center between owen sillinger a bit of a ahl veteran veteran trey fix wolanski we'll talk about him in a little bit but I don't think he's going to be in the American Hockey League for, for very long, maybe a, a couple of, I don't know, weeks or months. I, you don't just get stronger in a short period of time. So they could have a semi-long-term plan for him in the AHL level, but I think he's got a long-term NHL upside that is very fantasy relevant. He scored a beauty goal on a rush, skating down the wing, cut towards the net, and let a really good wrist shot, and it just went right through the goalie, it seemed, from where I was sitting. It looked like he just shot right through Mad Sogard. And it was, I was like, whoa, now that's an NHL shot right there all day long. Yeah, so after uh, scoring five points in three games at the AHL level, I think he's he's here not to get his confidence going. I think it's just that he needs to get stronger. So I, I'm kind of agreeing with what the Jackets coach said, and I really like what I saw from Johnson. So the eye test was a, was a, a thumbs up. For me, Victor, I really liked what I saw. I think he looks NHL caliber. And I don't know you got some some more elaborate analysis on this than just the eye test. He looked good. Well, sure. I mean, not to say that the eye test is not helpful because it certainly is. And that's good to know that, you know, he's looking all the part, looking too good for that league. He should look a little too good for the AHL, I would imagine. Although he is someone who, you know, basically skipped that level. And so that's something that always makes you wonder a little bit if that you know wouldn't be wouldn't be helpful but he did his he had a had a, had an interesting trajectory right because he was 
he was in the BCHL and then went straight from the BCHL to the NCAA, which is like a massive, massive jump. And then he went from the NCAA to the NHL. So both of those are very big jumps, although he had two years in college before he he did that. So it's a, you know, I think some conditioning, some time in the in the AHL isn't necessarily the the worst thing. How long he stays there, I think will be interesting. I should mention, the, of all these guys we're talking about today, I did actually do a deep dive on him at EP Ringside. And as one of my articles, so you can check that out. That was published back on November 1st. And basically, a lot of his metrics, what I was coming down to, especially in the NHL, look very, very poor. I mean, his expected goal generation, his coursey, he's not creating he's not defensively great there wasn't a whole lot that was good and his with and without you charts look like he's dragging people down which you never want to see from a player but you know he is still pretty young in his nhl career so you know we we can't write him off as a bust or anything like that i I do kind of wonder what the blue jackets are going to do with him i wonder if there's any appetite to maybe you know sell i don't know that they should do that but you kind of wonder a little bit if they're getting a little frustrated because he is someone, as you mentioned, being a little, you know, maybe putting some words in your soft in your mouth, like being a little soft, like not being the hardest to play against. That has always been an issue for him. And he likes to make the the pretty play. He likes to make the, you know, the creative play. And sometimes you just need to be harder on those pucks and harder to play against. And so maybe he can figure that out. But it is kind of interesting that that so far he's had, even though he had some points in his first season, he had some underlying metrics that were really poor, but his equivalencies are still sky high. So if anyone is selling Ken Johnson in your leagues, I would for sure buy. I would take that any day. And in my personal rankings, I have him as my fifth best prospect forward under 100 games. So I'm still extremely high on Ken Johnson. If if anyone is like frustrated, maybe they're in a win now mode and they thought he was going to provide a little bit more offense right now. Yeah, I would uh, I would send some offers. Let us know who who you think you might want to offer, and we can let you know what we think. But I would I, I would for sure be be buying on him. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, me too. I mean, I did trade him away in one of my leagues at about this time a year ago, and a deal that mainly got me Patrick Liney back. But I think he's he played center in this game as well. And looked pretty comfortable there. He was okay on draws. And, you know, Columbus is, is in the market for uh, a center. They're even trying Patrick Liney there this year when he's healthy. So there's, I think there's some upside there. He's not going to be a, a really good peripheral player for you in your fantasy leagues. So if he can get some center eligibility and, and maybe get you some face-off wins as, a, as another category stat that he can contribute to, as opposed to just a strictly offensive winger then that would be a, a a little a little bonus, a little bump, I think. But yeah, no, I, I really liked what I saw. I was like, this kid's too good for this league. He won't be here for long was was my takeaway from from watching him live for the first time. Awesome. Who's the next guy? Let's talk a little Nick Blankenberg. I got a soft spot for this guy. I don't know. I love the the college un, undrafted free agent signings if you haven't detected yet, Victor. So he's a he's a defenseman. And although you and, and Evan like to point out that I hate defensemen, that's actually not true. I'm a big fan of, of Nick Blankenberg. So he has a 8% fan tracks roster ship. And I've been watching him on on TV from his time at Michigan. I'm able to catch a few games with the Big Ten subscription. And then watching him in Columbus last year a few times when he was in the NHL as well. 
He is undersized. He stands at 5'9", 174, and he's not young either. He's 25 years old now after you know a full tour of duty at the NCAA level and now a full year of pro hockey. So, you know, he, he needs to... He needs to to get out of the American Hockey League sooner than later, or I'm, I'm afraid it's not going to happen for him. He is uh, second overall currently in team scoring with 10 points in 10 games, which is very impressive for a defenseman. He was deployed as a top pairing player. Didn't really get any penalty kill time, which I thought was interesting because when he was in the NHL, he was really deployed more as as a defensive defenseman, and his his blocks and hits stats were were very impressive. We'll get to that. He's excellent at distributing the puck. He plays with pace at an NHL level that I, that I thought was pretty obvious. He's effective defensively as well. He uses his stick very well. Obviously, he's not, you know, snow plowing guys out from the front of the crease or, you know, crushing guys against the boards or having big open ice hits because of his size. But he compensates for that with his hockey smarts and his mobility. Both of those seem very impressive at a live viewing. His positioning is is very good as well. He never seemed to be desperately trying to recover. You know, he was always anticipating and challenging guys to to beat him. Uh, but he is not a physical presence at all in the game that I saw. But when he was in Columbus, they had all those injuries last year, and they were really, really desperate for defense. He got thirty six games until he was injured. He had 14 points and 61 hits and 49 blocks. So those are some really great peripheral bangers stats for a defenseman his size. So he's got it in him. So I'm wondering if Columbus is playing with them for him this season is, you know, really, really explore the the offensive game. And let's see if you can if you can bring that element to the NHL. That would be great for fantasy owners, especially if he can maintain the peripheral stats, too. Now, here's the here's the challenge for him with that. I mean, I think he's an NHL player from what I've seen from him, both on TV and and in live, but maybe not in Columbus. They went out and bolstered their their defense last season, adding Provorov and Severson in the offseason to Wierinski and Greg Branson and Peak and Boquist, Jake Bean, who I think was just traded, David Yurichek. Denton Matejcik, all these guys are under contract and ahead of him on the depth chart. And it's going to be really hard for him to leapfrog players of that caliber. You know, maybe good Branson and Peak, but, you know, they're, they got NHL contracts that are harder to, to hide in the minors than, than his two-way contract is. So that's, I think, the challenge for him. And perhaps the best opportunity for him would, would be with another organization. Otherwise, he'll have to bide his time and you know try and improve at the american hockey league to the point where he forces his way in but as i pointed out off the top he's 25 years old so he's kind of you know he doesn't have a lot of time left here he's in he's in his prime this is it so you know development period is kind of over it's time for him to step up and i'm not sure there's there's anywhere for him to step into the columbus roster what's your take on blankenberg well there's no debating his size is a limiting factor we all know that but as you mentioned, you'd be ill-informed if you thought a small player like him was not good at hits, blocks, and shots. His bash is elite. So when he's in there, he gives you a massive floor for being able to put up peripherals. And so you love that. Yeah, the question is, how much is he going to play? Plus, as a, as a little guy throwing his body around, he is a little bit more prone to injury. And that has been 
an issue for him because he was another, you know, he that that happened to him too. Even though he got some opportunity due to injury last year, then he also got injured. So there was a there was a bit of a of an issue with that. But I do think that he can play. Yeah, the question is where do they have a role? I, I thought it was very interesting what Columbus did last offseason, as you mentioned, but like just going out and signing all these NHLers to really bolster when it seemed like they had guys ready in the pipeline, like Blankenberg, like Yedichek, you know, Matejchuk isn't that far away. So these roadblocks are going to be a little bit of an issue, not for a year check, but maybe for someone like Blankenberg even more so because mm-hmm. he was kind of more on the on the fringe. But I like that he is. Unfortunately, if you look at any analytic metric in terms of like points projection, he's like well below replacement level. So I don't think you can expect points from him. He is driving play really well in the AHL and he was OK at it in the NHL in his limited sample size last year. So it does seem like he can hang. The question is, can he stay healthy and and in the lineup enough to actually provide those those the wonderful peripheral stats that we love? So that's my question with him. I would be totally interested with him if you know if it didn't cost me too much. I'd be you know because he could he could get a role. He could get traded and get a role tomorrow, you know, and play a middle pairing. You know, get decent minutes and put up nice periffs. So. If that were to happen, you'd be you'd be happy to have him. But I don't think you should expect scoring from Nick Blankenberg. That's not I don't think that's really going to be his role. Yeah, I don't think he can sustain the elite bash either. I think he's got to do a little bit of both, quite frankly. You know, he's not going to be a number one power play guy in the NHL, but he can provide supplemental offense. And he's not, you know, he's not a, he's not a menace out there offensive physically. He's he's got to do a little bit of both. And, you know, you, you hear the scouts talk about, well, he does a lot of things well, but he's not elite at any one thing. And you need that that standout characteristic that gets you a, a niche role in the NHL. And I'm not sure Nick Blakenberg has that much of a an elite skill at any one area. So it'll be challenging for him, but that's enough on Blankenberg. I like the kid, but let's move on. The next guy I want to talk about is a guy who kind of been on my radar a little bit, but I don't really have much of a file on him. So that file is starting to grow now. And that is forward Michael Puta, I believe is how you pronounce his name. His last name, for anyone who wants to check him out on Fantrax, he's only 1% rostered, so plenty of availability. Let's see if we can sell you on him. His last name is spelled P-Y-Y-H-T-I-A, and somehow you get Puta out of that. Finnish names, I love him. So he's a, a center. He's 21 years old, so... Good and young. He's 5'11, 174. So we're talking another little undersized guy. But there's but he's not small. He's not little. He's he's pretty strong. He's pretty stocky. And I, I'm not concerned about his uh physicality or his survivability. He's a very high energy player. He was very impactful on both sides of the puck. He's extremely versatile, smart, quick, and tenacious. Some of the things that you know, I was writing down, I'm scribbling in my notebook about him. And I love players like that. I, you, know, you got a lot of Charlie Hustle in this guy. He scored a nice shorthanded breakaway. Yeah, you know, he made a really great move in all alone on Sogard. Actually, sorry, he didn't score on that. It was a great save by Sogard. But, you know, he did a, he had some separation speed and read the play really well. And it was a really, really impressive play. He stood out several times in the games, actually, not just that one play, but you know, several times I would, you know, I was checking out like, who is who is number 82 again? Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's Puta. Nice. Like this guy. 
he's not a player I see becoming a high impact fantasy player if if and I think when he makes it to the NHL. But I can see him getting some NHL recalls. He's had a few already, but not like maybe just a cup of coffee. He's a really useful player. He his complete game should get him to the NHL for at least a look, another another good cup of coffee. And he, you know, pardon the pun, but he does have some finish in his tool bag as well. So he can provide you with some offensive stats. He's a player I'm I'm kind of keen on. I think he's he's a, he's a watch list player for me, even in though I'm in like super duper deep leagues. Just kind of see how he does this season in in the American League. I think this is his first full season in the AHL, so we'll see how he does. If he can keep the points coming along and uh, and gain some more notoriety, and you know, squeeze his way in, onto one of my rosters, perhaps you got to take on Puta. Well, I can't say that I've watched him much, but I have reviewed his file from Mm -hmm. several different directions and i don't think that i have much interest in him i agree that he kind of looks like he might have some pro habits and he did decently and he's been playing mainly in tps in finland for the last couple years and actually driving play pretty well there 58 percent Corsi in his last full season there and then he's kind of he kind of well he played mainly there last season too and then played a few games in north america but he he's been driving play in a men's league in finland for the last several years which is really nice and his expected goal share has been rising he's not someone who's going to do a lot of perif with peripherals though he his blocks are actually pretty decent for a forward his hits are a little bit you know average and then he he doesn't shoot a whole a whole lot so um, he's not going to be super high impact there but i was looking at hockey prospecting and he literally has zero comps that are even at replacement level they're all basically busts or some someone that you could get off the wire so he's he's basically at zero percent chance of being a star which is kind of hard to do in that model like either you, you they, he gives you a lot of iron gives you gives everyone kind of a token like few percent usually and but you have to kind of trend down so that's where he is now if you look at the ranking app he's basically looks like a like a bottom sixer pretty clearly yeah he did have a spike up to second line potential in the 21-22 season which was i think his first full in the Liga. And then with Jay Fresh's top-down hockey model, he's the 212th best forward out of something like 250 or something like that. So pretty low, 1% chance of being a star there. So I thought you were going to say 212. I don't actually, <laughs> 212 out of 212. <laughs> I don't actually know the full... <laughs> it's somewhere in the mid-200s. I don't I don't actually know what, what, the, what the whole sample set is out of, but it, it is pretty low. He's pretty low. Yeah, um, so yeah, I, it's he, he might be one of those guys that 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 plays, you know, and maybe he gets you know put in a decent spot because he's a he's a pretty decent play driver. Although he hasn't been great, I should say, in Cleveland this year so far. This has been his first. Well, he he had seven games last season. He has eleven so far this season. So he's played more AHL games at this point than he did last season. He was mainly in the league last year, and so far he's forty six percent Corsi with a negative net expected goal share in those AHL minutes. So even that part isn't looking too great. So I think even if things work out really well, I don't think you're looking at a player that's super interesting in fantasy for Michael Puta. Yeah, I mean, he he caught my eye and he stood out at the American Hockey League level. And like I said, he wasn't an offensive, dynamic offensive player. But, you know, he's a player I can see maybe at least getting getting watch lists consideration for fantasy hockey and if he gets a recall and he might be a player you could stream in for 
for a while. And I don't think he'll, if he comes up to the NHL, I don't think he'll be for the rest of the season or anything. He'll just be an injury relief guy. So someone who you could maybe stream in. Light the lamp with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about another player who's perhaps a little bit more recognizable name. That's Trey Fix Wolanski. Uh, he was a bit of a prospect darling for a while now, but I think the shine on him is, is starting to phase off a little bit. His 4% fan tracks roster ship is perhaps the lowest it's been for a few seasons for him. Despite that, he is leading the team in scoring 16 points in 10 games. He's fourth overall in the American Hockey League. He's been on a bit of a heater since Kent Johnson returned with eight points in the last four games. He's only gone one game this season, or at least when I did the prep for this on the weekend, without a point this season so far. He was the best offensive player outside of Johnson. He drives play. He's got decent size. He's got good mobility, good puck skills, good hockey sense, but nothing that screams NHL top six, nothing that screams NHL top nine, or even NHL, really. I mean, I think this is another example of a, a classic tweener. Maybe he's really good for the American Hockey League, but not good enough for the National Hockey League. You're Glenn Gondon, you're Matthew Phillips, or Vinny Letary caliber player here. Best case scenario, I think, for fantasy is Columbus gets a bunch of injuries and he gets a recall or, or moves to a team with very little depth in Pittsburgh. But at 24 years old, I think, you know, he's starting to run out of time a little bit before we call him a career AHL player. He's got a little bit of road left before he reaches that, that stage. But he's a player that if I've been holding on to him on my prospect roster, I think I'd be looking to try and, and flip that for, for some other kind of asset, maybe a draft pick or, or someone younger. What do you think, Victor? Is it, is it time to pull the shoot on him or can you see him breaking through? Hmm. Not really. I actually rank my forwards somewhere in, in the 300 range, sometimes up to about 350. He's not, a, he's not in that range at all for me. So Trey Fix Walensky, not so much. Uh, he, yeah, maybe, maybe he'll kind of figure it out. As you mentioned, and maybe this, this spike is just correlating with, with Ken Johnson being there. And it's nice that he's doing a great job in the AHL and, and maybe he'll get a little bit longer look in the NHL looking at his hockey prospecting. He, there was exactly one comp that was decent, and that's Carter Verhage, who is basically someone who defied the odds <laughs> to be a successful scorer in the NHL. The rest of it, the rest of the guys that you could pull up for him are all bust or replacement level, or maybe a couple of just above that sub-average producers. The ranking app. Actually, it looks really interesting for him. It's got this seesaw pattern <laughs> that uh, he's kind of bumped up to close to first line potential and then down to second and then below. And he's kind of bopping all back and forth. So it's a little hard to assess where he might actually end up right now. He's looking like a potential top sixer, which is good. Of course, he's on this bit of a heater, as you mentioned, with uh, some pretty good production in the in the AHL. His similarity score there, one of the top one looks like Andrew Mangiapane. So that might be a decent, out. that would be a really good outcome, I would think, for him. The top-down hockey model has him 
107th ranked forward. So 3% chance of being a star, 16% chance of being an NHLer. Sometimes I feel these NHLer probabilities are really low because I think he, I mean, he's only a step away from being an NHLer. He's had a handful of games already and he's really good in the AHL. So it seems like he can play. He gets the right opportunity. So, you know, I like that about players like this, guys that are really close to being able to step into the lineup. And you never know if they get the right opportunity, if they click with the right NHL centerman or whatever, then they could potentially put up some decent points. But Trey, Trey Fix-Wolanski is someone that I would be interested in having just because he's got that proximity to playing, but I would not be worried about dropping him. And, you know, because I, I don't think he's going to turn into Carter Verhage and be someone that I regretted dropping. What about you? Yeah, pretty pretty similar. I mean, he looked good in the game, but like I said, there wasn't anything about his game that I thought was elite that would make him an NHL player. I mean, you got your choices as a coach and you're making your roster decisions. Who's who's in the NHL and who's down? And while he's not a liability by any means, I mean, there's, there's just... You, you want someone who I can count on in in key situations rather that be i need some speed or i need some toughness or i need a guy i can count on to score consistently i you know he's he's decent at all those things but he's not someone who would be my go-to for any of those things so i think that's my challenge with him okay so let's let's talk about one more guy here from from cleveland and that is stanislav svozil Defenseman who was recently drafted out of Regina, teammates with Connor Bedard. He is 10% Fantrax rostered, so that's pretty decent rostership for a guy that was just drafted. I like what I saw here, Victor. He looked good. He's cutting his teeth in the American Hockey League. There's, there's no doubt about it. He looked like a rookie, but he was getting you know, top minutes. He's a top-pairing defenseman with, with Nick Blankenberg. That was their, their number one D. And, you know, there's some times where he looked like a rookie. He looked like he was a little bit confused or lost or, or trying to figure out where he should where he should be and what he should be doing. But he's very good overall. Those were those instances were kind of few and far between. He looked really great on the power play, quite at home, running the, the point shot on the power play. A kid can shoot. He scored a goal on the power play with his big point shot as well. First career AHL goal. I, where were you when he scored his goal? I was there. <laughs> so he's he's got four points in six games. So I think for a, a rookie defenseman, that is very good. And you know, we talked a couple of times about Byron's article about production as a as a rookie in the American Hockey League matters. Guys that can score have success. Guys who take a little bit longer tend to not pan out in the long run. So so that's a really good encouraging sign that he's producing right out of the gate. Like, you know, he's like 10, not even 10 games in. And he's already got four points. So this is my first live viewing of Sposal. I've seen him at you know, World Juniors and on, in some CHL action as well on, on television and, and video, but first time live. But I saw a solid mobile offensive defenseman that was not a train wreck in his own zone. So I think he has a very projectable NHL future. And after a full season at least or two in the American Hockey League, so if you're one of the 10% that own him, you're going to have to have some patience with him. It's going to be a while. And I don't think he's going to be like a rock star for your fantasy team when he gets there. So if you're hoping that he's going to be a top pairing guy, I think you might want to temper those expectations. But I think he's going to make it. I think he's going to be there for a while and he'll be good. 
the whole time. You know, not not elite, not an all star, but a top four defenseman and a guy that can they can provide you with some offense from your blue line and and he'll give you a little bit of peripherals too. He's not super big and he's not super mean, but he can he can throw some hits and he can block some shots. So I think he's a very fantasy relevant prospect that quite frankly might be a little bit underrated. I like him. I'm sold. What was your take? Yeah, he's an he's a really interesting case because his trajectory has moved around. You know, he's he's Czech, he's from Czechia. And he did his first couple years there, including his draft season. And then he went from the Czech men's league, where he only scored three points in 30 games in his draft season, to the WHL, which is like a pretty massive step down in terms of competitiveness. So it may not seem that way, but in terms of equivalency, it's way, way lower. And then he did just okay in that first WHL season. And then he did amazing in the second one with Connor Bedard. And of course, that helped. I know people who were there and, and who watched those games and, and said the same thing, like the eye test, he looks great. Like he definitely looks, you know, one of the best players in the league. But if you look at a lot of these projection models, they have him very, very low because of this kind of decrease in, in equivalency of the league quality. Like he would have had to absolutely blow the league out of the water to increase his equivalency. And he did well, just not amazingly well. So like his hockey prospecting looks like just 4% chance of being a star now. And he can really increase that with continued strong production in the AHL this season. We'll see right now it's so-so. But then if you look at some, and that's actually similar with the top-down hockey model, just 1% chance of being a star. Oh, this this data set goes up to 361, Pete. So he's the 361st (laughs) defenseman. So that's really low, disposal is. So that part is pretty bad. But then if you look at the ranking app with Mason Black, he actually looks really good. And he's been kind of between that first and second line potential. He bumped up to first line potential last year with that strong WHL performance. And he's a little bit lower than this this year. But Mason has a couple of similarity scores of guys like Vince Dunn or PK Subban. Travis Hamanick is also in there. I think Vince Dunn would be a reasonable outcome for him. You know, he's... He's maybe even more mobile and better defensively in, in, in some aspects, but maybe not as offensively dynamic as done. So I, I I agree, though, with you too, Pete. Whenever I've watched Bozel play, I always think like, wow, this guy's really good. Like he's, you know, he, he looks, especially in the World Juniors, he looks better than a lot of the competition there. And, you know, he's got good size, got good mobility. And then I look at some of the some of the equivalency models and I just think, wow, why is he so low? You know, but I think that's why it's because he kind of went down in terms of equivalency. And now he's coming back up because the AHL is definitely higher than the Czech League. But because he didn't have such a massive outburst, he didn't he didn't look as good. The only guy that he compares to in the hockey prospecting model that looks even decent is Brett Pesci. And so. That might actually not be an unreasonable outcome. You know, not the most exciting producer, but, you know, Pesci, I think probably similar disposal. I'm not sure is going to command power play time, but might get some, you know, might get some secondary power play time and might be able to pump the points up. But I also agree with you. He is excellent for bash. He he actually rates out really well for block shots and hits. And I have him ranked as my 67th. So I definitely think he's decent and he probably is a bit underrated just partly because of his, interesting development and trajectory of like what leagues he played in so uh he's probably worth a worth a shot although Columbus has so many good D it seems hard to imagine that he's going to pass Jiracek and Matejchuk and all the guys that are currently there now so 
we'll see. But you never want to hold that against a player because they could always get moved or, you know, the situation in the NHL could change. So I definitely would be interested in him, but I'm not uh, I'm not counting on him as one of my prime assets. Yeah, I like the the Brett Pesci comparison. I think that's that's a really good one. I mean, best case scenario is a guy plays top four minutes in the NHL for a long time, but is never elite, but never really on the fringe of getting sent down either. Right. Like a guy you can count on for for multiple seasons. Was there anyone else on? on Cleveland do you want to talk about that we didn't I mean those those were the guys that really stood out for me and that I think people with fantasy roster mining aspirations would be interested to hear us talk about there were a lot of guys that we already talked about but I am a little bit interested was Nashko Samuel Nashko playing in that game no he would be the other one I was interested in and Malatesta would be the other one yeah Lucas Del Bell Belouz was playing and he is okay. He didn't really, didn't really blow me away very much. And uh, Jet Greaves was in goal, and he was he was pretty solid, man. I, you know, he, again, you're gonna have to be patient with him because he's pretty young, still ways away. But yeah, a player that that kind of caught my eye. And I was like, hmm, okay, yeah, I know your name. Very good. <laughs> Some people are a little high on Corson Kulemans. I don't know if he didn't caught your eye or didn't, didn't play. play. Yeah, a lot no, of these guys I... didn't play. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What can you do, eh? So let's talk about some Belleville Senators players. They they got a few less interesting guys, but a couple anyways that we can that we can hit on. One guy that really stood out, especially when he stood next to Nick Blank and Nick Blankenberg, was Yuri Smikal. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but he is a six foot four, two hundred and twenty three pound forward, and you know he made. Blankenberg looked like a hobbit when he was standing next to him. It was kind of funny, actually. So this is a player who I, you know, I'd heard of because he was signed as a free agent. And I had him on my radar in one of my drafts because he's got good size and he scored really well over in Europe. Bit of a late bloomer by by the looks of it. And he was really given some good deployment for Belleville. He is a top six forward for them. And he had a big splash. I don't know what his stats totals were, but he was impressive in NHL preseason. He scored a couple nice goals. He had a bunch of points in preseason hockey. Yes, I know it's only preseason, but you know, if he didn't score in preseason, that would be even worse. So I really liked what I saw from, from this free agent player. Skating is, is not an issue as you think it might be for guys of that size. You know, he didn't look like a, like a lumbering fool out there. He got around the ice really well. He's not a burner, but his stride looked very fluid and comfortable and his edges looked pretty good too. And his balance. And when you're 223 pounds, you bend the knees and you just lower your center of gravity and good luck moving him from in front of the net, especially if you're Nick Blankenberg. And that's where he was he was deployed a lot on the power play, was right in front of the net. He's an offensive player. We saw that in preseason, like I mentioned, and he got really good deployment with Belleville. So, you know, they're they're giving him a lot of opportunity to produce and, and be a leader for them. He doesn't really use his size to his advantage, though, or at least he didn't in the games that I've seen him play now. So that's one game. You know, you got a you got a, a an asset like that in your tool bag where you're 6'4, 223 pounds. You should use that, man. Push guys out of your way. Use your your reach, you know, spread your legs out, protect the puck, crush guys against the boards, make them, you know, 
do that once and then the puck goes in their corner again and they can hear your your skates carving up the ice coming in and they're going to think twice about what they're going to do they're going to maybe make a decision quicker than they want to because they don't want to get creamed so i'd like to see him be a little bit more aggressive same as elmer soderblom too i mean that guy's huge he's got great skills but he doesn't use his physicality and i think it's a waste he was rumored to be heading back to Sweden after the preseason when, you know, I guess he was told he wasn't making the NHL right away. And then usually these European players have a tendency to say, okay, fine, I'm, I'm not in the NHL, I'm, I'm not in the AHL, and they go home. But he stuck around and he seems pretty happy there. So I like the opportunity for him if Senators get some injuries and he shows well adjusting to, you know, North American ice and, and lifestyle and, and culture, then, you know, maybe we could see him back in the NHL. So he might be a player at 1% Fantrax rostered. If you're in a, in a really deep league, could be worth kind of stashing away. I think he could be fun. You know, if he comes out, you could be the guy that has him when he comes out of nowhere and, and scores a couple points in the NHL. You're probably not, not, as, not as keen on these long shots as me, I'm guessing, Victor. What's, do, you have any, do you have any opinion on this guy? Just about what I read about him. And uh, yeah, I I don't I can't remember now the way you pronounce it, but Schmeichel, Schmeichel is how you pronounce it. Can we, call him, can we call him Smeagol? Smeagol hates nasty horses. I mean, you can call him whatever you want. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to try to pronounce it correctly. I, I may still be wrong, though, but I'm going to try. <laughs> if you want to look him up, his name is, is spelt S-M-E-J-K-A-L. And remember that the J usually in these languages is like a Y. So it's like Smeagol. Anyways, yeah, he is not someone that I don't think I think I'll be interested. He's 27. Did you mention that? I might have missed it. He's old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's very old and when you and so this is one of the best things I love about Mason's app, the NHL ranking app, is that you can track the PNHLE over time very clearly and some of the other models cap out at a few years and so you can't see the trajectory, but you can see his trajectory which has hovered around a third liner his entire developmental career. So he's sub second line potential. He's never really had a spike that close to being second line. And his, his PNHLE, you know, is hovering. His peak is 33. So that would be the projected peak of his performance as a 30 point NHL season. That's not super exciting. Not saying that that's exactly what he will be and, does, and doesn't have upside for more because obviously it's not perfect, but I, I wouldn't expect him to have too much upside behind beyond that i don't have him ranked in my model and my ranks so yeah i don't I, I don't really have anything to say about that other than i don't i wouldn't gamble on him but you know like you said maybe based on eye tests and physicality like never know maybe he gets a call up and he's got the he's got the frame for it no doubt about that and so maybe he'll get some opportunity i mean we know guys get opportunity just just because of that and and not saying that he doesn't have other skills, but regardless of if he did or not, he, he'd probably get a look and get a cup of coffee just for just for the frame reasons. Yeah. So I think another Ottawa Senators player we could talk about that's perhaps a little bit more, more fantasy relevant would be Zach Ostopchuk. 6'4", 205, so he's got some size himself. And this is his rookie season in the American Hockey League after having a really nice junior career in the WHL. He's now 20 years old, so good and young. Lots of lots of road left here. He's he's playing center for Belleville right now. I think uh, a couple sites have him listed as a winger, but he's actually playing center right now for Belleville. So that's interesting. 
you like having big six foot four centers. He scored a really nice highlight real goal, not in the game I was at, but I saw it on, on Twitter. And it was a shorthanded goal where, you know, he got, a, he got behind the defenseman at the blue line as the puck bounced out past him and he had really good speed. And the defenseman was trying to catch up with him and mess with him, but he used his, he used his size to his advantage with his long stick and reach and, you know, got, got low and spread his legs out so that he couldn't, the defenseman couldn't reach around yet. Couldn't get past his legs. And then and had a nice finish, really nice, you know, bar down kind of goal. So that was pretty impressive. And, you know, he's, he's cutting his teeth too. There's times where you, you watch him and I was thinking to myself, okay, he looks very, very impactful. He, especially on the power play. You know, he is, he is, he knows what he's doing and he's very effective at it. And then there were some other shifts where I was like, um, couldn't notice him or I noticed him in not a good way. Like, buddy, you got to get involved in the play here. You're, you're, you're behind it. You're behind it. So we'll see how, how he adapts. You know, it's been four games, so plenty of time left to cast judgment on him. But he's definitely getting adjusted to the pace and the size, right? Where his size was a big advantage for him at junior playing against 16, 17, 18 year olds who are much smaller. But now he's playing in the American Hockey League where everyone is it's all grown up and manly. And that's taken away some of his advantage. So he's going to have to compensate for that somehow. He, he He's not an impact player yet, but he showed me some flashes of potential, like that shorthanded goal I talked about just need some more development time. So he's a player who I think is very fantasy relevant. What was your analytical analysis on, on a stop check? Yeah, well, he's always someone that I've liked when I watch him starting with, with that part, he uses his frame really well. Well, this is mainly in junior. I haven't watched him in the AHL yet, but you know, world championships or the WHL, he's always, he was, he was always someone who, was really good at controlling the play, the tempo, puck possession. Like he could just hold on to the puck for a really long time and find the right outlet. You know, some guys hold on to the puck and then they don't really always make good decisions. And, you know, maybe sometimes he didn't, but he, but a stop truck was usually pretty good at that, you know, cause he's not the fastest. So he needs to, he really needs to be good at something. And, and puck possession is definitely his game. He uses his frame well, and then he finds good options, outlets, passes, and waits for everyone else to kind of catch up to, you know, where he is and find the right, right place. So I like that. I like him for that. And when you look at the models, they don't, they don't really like him so much. So the hockey prospecting has him at just 1% chance of being a star. And and same with the top-down hockey model. They're both pretty low on a stop chuck. There is one decent comp for him there. And that is Evan Rodriguez, who kind of broke the model in some sense, who is the, you know, average producer, a lot smaller than a stop check. Mason Black's model has him as more of like a third liner. And the comps there are not so good. Brock McGinn, Andrew Kopp, not super exciting, but definitely a guy who's, you know, could still figure it out and play decent minutes in the NHL. But I think he's he's going to be a bottom sixer. I don't think he's going to be a top sixer. And you know, maybe he gets some opportunity here or there. So if playing games in the NHL is helpful, you know, even if you're scoring like 30, 40 points, then a stop check is probably interesting. But I don't think he has much upside beyond that. I didn't really see any players on Belleville that I think are that are top NHL potential players. 
anymore. I mean, the sets okay. The Sens have graduated a bunch of of guys to the NHL in in recent years. They've turned over, you know, some of their 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 top potential prospects. I would say would be Igor Sokolov, who went undrafted for a season because his skating was so terrible. But he's had some really nice seasons in the American Hockey League with Belleville, and his skating has got to the point where it's no longer ugly; it's average, and that's good enough. He's got great size. You know, he's six foot three, two hundred seventeen pounds, playing the right wing on the first line for them, and he's producing really well. And he's had some NHL recalls, and I'm thinking that he's going to get some more too. Whether or not he sticks and starts, you know, becoming a, a full time NHL regular, even for a, an entire season, I'm skeptical. Uh, but it's possible. But he wouldn't be in the top six in Ottawa so unless they had a significant number of injuries to open the door there. On defense, you've got Lassie Thompson and Jacob Larson, a couple former first-round picks. I believe they both were. Lassie Thompson just went cleared through waivers, though. So, you know, his upside is kind of limited there. And and Jacob Larson is now 26 years old. Uh, you probably know him very well. Anaheim Ducks prospect comes from your neck of the woods via Sweden. Um, he looked great. Now, he's a very good American Hockey League defender. He's good at everything. He's got Decent size at six foot three, one ninety seven. He's got good mobility. He's not a liability either offensively or defensively. He's not a threat physically, but he's not a pushover either. I mean, he's just again, he's really good at everything, but not great at anything. So I think he's he's right where he belongs in the American Hockey League, and probably until his contract runs out and he hands back home to to Europe. I don't see an NHL future for Jacob Larson. Probably not Lassie Thompson either. Mad Sogard is, was in goal for both the games I went to this season, and he looked solid. I, I like him. He's he's made some some really good saves, and he's kept Belleville in it a couple of times as well and gave them a chance to win. That's what he does. He gives them a chance to win. He has scored on when, you know, can't blame the goalie on that one, but he doesn't let in soft goals. I mean, Ken Johnson beat him cleanly on a wrist shot, but I don't consider that to be a soft goal. I consider that to be a hell of a shot. And, you know, you give a guy like that the kind of time and space that Ken Johnson had for that shot and going to go in sometimes. That's what good players do. Any thoughts on any of those guys that I just kind of blitzed through from, from Belleville? No, I mean, I had high hopes for Lassie Thompson at one point, but yeah. the defense just and some of the skating just hasn't been good enough. You know, I don't know that he's... Yeah, good enough as an NHL defender. And yeah, passing through waivers is never, never a good thing. So Sogard, I talked about him with Kat Silverman, our goalie whisperer. And she, she, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, bigger is better. You want these huge goalies. But the thing is that these huge goalies and, and Sogard is huge, is that they have, they have a lot of holes. <laughs> they have a lot of issues like so and they have to work harder to control those holes. When they as soon as they move, they open up like seven holes like all over their body and so they have to be really compact and tight with their movements and sometimes that can be really challenging and that's something that Sogar has not really been good at and he needs to really work on that. So even though he can cover a lot of ground and he can reach and make some of these incredible saves, sometimes goals go through him. And that's not ideal. And so he really needs to clean that up and work on some of some of the finesse in his movements and how quickly he can do that. Because he's he's never really, or for a long time, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to be quick. He was just big, <laughs> you know. And so sometimes you get a little lazy with with that. But no, those are that's a really good rundown with 
with those players, Pete. And it's really fun that you got to to see that. And hopefully we'll do do more of these kinds of things if people like it like it. You've got mail. I did also want to mention that we're gonna try and do a little bit of a mailbag with all of our episodes and you know maybe try to pick a question here or there that we find interesting and so we did have one from the brady bunch in our discord with the new edmonton coach which lineup changes can we expect as a result an increase or decrease in fantasy production any opportunities for rookies as we saw in game one so pete i don't know if this this kind of came in a little bit late but i don't know if you have any thoughts on what we might see different in edmonton there are a whole other thoughts we could say about it. I personally do not think Jay Woodcroft was the problem. I think a lot of people share that opinion. His the, the the numbers for Edmonton, the expected goals against and for were quite good. They were just kind of unlucky and there were some other issues with goaltending, but they did bring in Connor McDavid's former junior coach. And so some people are kind of, you know, talking about that. But do you have thoughts on what what did changes we might see in in uh, Edmonton? No, I don't really have any insight on what what the coach might be might be thinking there chuck knobloch i mean i don't know maybe connor brown and he played together in in erie so maybe knobloch tries that experiment again i don't know maybe could be good for evan bouchard to get a little bit more maybe he gets more insulated where he's less five on five and more power play time and more offensive zone starts that might be good for for his game and confidence if if the coach goes that way but i, I really don't tend to have insight as to what coaches are are thinking especially ones that i don't really know very well so (laughs) i mean i kind of agree with you i'm not sure it was a coaching thing but when you have those two players and and you know all the hockey writers and experts are are picking edmonton as their cup winner and here we are and they're more of a lottery contender than a than a playoff contender something's gotta something's gotta give and it's easier to fire the coach than to make trades with the salary cap these days and demoting Jack Campbell, exercising him to the American Hockey League isn't enough to change those fortunes. So you got to you got to try and force a change and hope for the best. And unfortunately, the, the coach kind of fell on the sword on this one. I think he'll land on his feet short short term, though. Yeah. Anyone who hires Jay Woodcroft is getting a great, great coach, I would say. And. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I think Ken Holland has made some pretty awful decisions, but he's made some decent ones too and brought in some some good players. So it's hard, you know, it's always easier, as you said, to fire the coach. Uh, I do think that he'll give Connor Brown another shot once he's not injured. He's currently injured. Yeah. Right now they have some Gagne up there with uh, RNH and McDavid. So, you know, I think that was one of the questions. Maybe do some of the prospects get another look? I, I don't know. I kind of doubt it, especially because he's... <laughs> They're, they need to crawl out of the basement. I mean, right now, yeah. right now, San Jose is miles ahead of them for the lottery, best lottery odds, but Edmonton should not be second, and that's where they are. So they really need to, if they really want to have aspirations of making the playoffs and going on a cup run, they need to be on a oh, massive yeah. heater the entire rest of the season. So I don't think they're going to rely on on prospects in order to do that. Right. I will I will say, so I was at that, that game I went to in person in Vancouver was against Edmonton. and. A couple of things that I noticed from that game is that Vincent DeArnay is awful. I don't know why he's out there. The guy, I mean, he's huge. That's why, because he's big. But like, he can't skate. He can't. He's like a, it's like a eighteen wheeler moving out there. It's like he's so slow. Guys just turnstile him. So in his own zone, he's fine because he moves guys around. And he's big and physical. But 
you know, especially the way Edmonton wants to play, they need a guy who can move the puck better. And and he's definitely not that guy. And I definitely think that they need to insulate Bouchard and, and let him unleash his offensive potential. And and Ekholm should be able to do that. But the problem is they're they're kind of drowning right now in in their system that they've adopted. So it's a it's been it's a bit of a difficult issue. Their 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 real issue is that they just they lack depth, right? They have some good players, but they just don't have the depth to to really push that forward. And and I don't see any real help in the in the prospect pipeline other than I think putting Philip Broberg in there for DeHarnay is a very, very simple thing that they could do that would improve them dramatically because Broberg, even though he may not live up to the hype of where he was drafted, he's he's better than DeHarnay, I would say, by a mile. So that's something that hopefully they will do. Dylan Holloway is obviously someone that that people are interested in. I think, you know, maybe he could get a little shot here or there. But overall, I don't think that they're going to rely too much on these younger guys because they're, they're going to be so hard-pressed to, you know, win as many games as possible, obviously, and, and turn things around. And I think if they don't change anything, things will turn around because they were already a really good, you know, team in terms of their expected goals. And Corsi number, they were just getting really unlucky and making some really terrible mistakes that were directly leading to goals. So even though their expected numbers were great, they were having outliers that were just awful. <laughs> and then and you can't really get come back from that too much. Yeah. And a lot of their success is, you know, based on Connor McDavid. As Connor McDavid goes, so do the Edmonton Oilers. And it doesn't look like he's playing at 100 percent right now. I'm not sure what's what's ailing him, if anything, but it, it does look like something's slowing them down and um that ain't so good for Edmonton overall no you're absolutely right he looked good but he didn't look like the best player in the league and that is not right because he is he should be so you've got mail anyways definitely if you're interested in some you know topical questions you want to send those through the discord or tweet at peter right myself we'll try to get those at the end of each show and other than that you want to close this out, Pete? Yeah, that's all I got for today. So thanks for listening to Dauber Prospects Report number 32. And like Victor was saying, if you want to reach out to us and, and give us some listener mailbag questions, you can get us on Twitter or X at DPR underscore show at Farling at Victor Nunu 12 at Sabrin 91. Follow Hockey Podcast Net. Lots of good shows on there worth checking out. Subscribe and listen to the show on whatever you're listening to. Podcast, Hasher of your choice, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. I think we're kind of on all of them. I set that up a long time ago. Hopefully they're still populating there. And give us a five-star review, man. We love those. They make us super happy. It's the highlight of my day when I get one of those. That's all we got for today, though, guys. Hope you enjoyed our eye test versus stats scouting reports from, from a live game. And we got some good shows in the in the schedule coming up down the down the pipeline. So we'll catch you on future reports. In the meantime, keep those sticks on the ice. What you say, my precious, my love? Smoother, losing his nerve. Let's do that hockey.